This is Owen Tinder Jones. I'm Owen Vaughan Williams. This is Tash Harden. And you are listening to the Owen Tinder Podcast. Back to part two of the podcast. We just finished talking about the game itself, and we are just about to launch into the other issues that we've mentioned. Um, first of all, which is going to be what is Plan A and what Plan B is supposed to be uh, for Ryan Giggs' his Wales. Uh, enjoy this. After this conversation, we talk in depth then about the Wales women game against New Zealand, as well as some general issues that have risen uh, over the course of the Women's World Cup. Thanks for listening. Plan A wasn't working. No. We couldn't tweak it. I'm not it. convinced there was a plan A. No. Uh, and then we got to the point where we were just sort of free falls, uh, probably really harsh, but certainly in a position where we were just a bit like, what is going on? And it just looked like panic to me. Yeah. I mean, it looked like 10, 11, sorry, random players who'd not played together who'd not been coached into a plan, who'd not been coached into a formation, didn't look like there was anything deliberate about what we were doing. And for me, I think, if we're, if we're moving on to the wider questions, that's what's really concerning. We've, where we've been successful, we've been successful because we've had a plan. It's been from the D forward, that's fine. Now, allegedly, it needs to be from the forwards back because supposedly that's where our strength is. Yeah, I'll get on to some stuff Potential. to, to question yeah. that. Um, I haven't got strong feelings one way or the other on that. I just want us to know, wh- to know what we're doing and to, for heaven's sake, to look like Ruth we almost know. said the F word I then, did everyone. The, oh. To look like we know what we're doing. For Ruth to almost say the F word, everyone. <laughs> I was very close. Oh, my goodness. I was very close. Every time I say the F word, <laughs> Ruth winces. For her to have said it on the podcast <laughs> would have been Christmas and birthday in one for me. I've been waiting for I that. Was, Sorry. I'm so frustrated and so, like, core angry yeah. about what we are at the minute supposedly we've got a strength up front in 13 games he's been in charge we've scored 10 goals four of them against ireland so in i am aghast so in 12 games we've scored six we've scored half a goal a game didn't we score six against china no sorry i'll tell a lie i had took china out because I felt oh, like sorry. it was atypical. No, no, that's a fair point. I should have said. I took out the China game because I felt like it was, it was an unrealistic game. So I did the third, I, t- I counted up what's happened since then. So I right. kept in the Albania game. I kept sirens. Sirens again. There we go. I kept in Albania. I kept in Spain. But in fairness, it's a, good, it's a fair point. I didn't count the China game. We've scored 10 goals in, in 13 games. We've let in 14. Four of the 10 we got against Ireland. So we've got six goals in 12 games. For a supposedly a team where our strength is up front. Oh, God. In our group, Azerbaijan and us, we've both played three games. They've scored three goals. We've scored two. I mean... Well, that's just shit. Mm-hmm. 
I tweeted out, everyone was talking about this is the best squad we've ever had. I said on uh, after the game, it's not. Because they've not achieved anything. No. We've got a lot of potential. But we're not unlocking that potential. Until we do, we're not the best anything. And at the minute, I hadn't realised those stats, which you have just yep. shot out there. Do you want me there. to carry on? Because I've got a few more. I do. I'm so excited. I know what one of these is, but I'm so excited for the others. Carry on. Admittedly taking out the China game, which, I know, perhaps that's not fair. But that's fair because you're still... That's still only one game. Yeah. We've scored two away goals. Um, one against the Republic of Ireland. Yeah. And one against Croatia. In 13 games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's not... It's not a good stat, is it? <laughs> Do you want the one that really blows me away? Yes, please. He's capped 40 players in that time. In his, in his time as manager... That is the stat I knew, and I wish you would have. We'd have captured my original reaction your original to that reaction because I couldn't close my mouth for I about know. thirty seconds. That is, I, I, I'm still a bit now. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm even if we, even if you account for a couple of subs, that's three different teams. In thirteen, we could, games. We could have our own little tournament. Well, that sounds quite fun. <laughs> With who he's capped in the 13 games. Yeah. Top research on that, by the way. I know. It's just like, I mean, I hope I've totted it up all correct. I mean, I'm looking at Some, Someone paper. on Twitter will shoot me down if someone, I Someone will bug us off there. Um, but it's just like, how can we develop a plan and a format and some consistency and some stability and expect the players to deliver if you've got that level of turnover? I mean... Again, I say it again, I couldn't agree more. If he's used that last year to kind of experiment and pick out what his plan A is, A, he's done a bloody awful job, and B, I think he's just muddied the water so much that he now doesn't know which way he's up. Um, that, that for me is the main concern. I just, I've got no confidence that we've developed a plan. Oh God, I'm really annoyed again now. I've got to go for dinner with Joy and her auntie. <laughs> um, I, um, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. And we're relying on, though, in all of that, I would love to know how many of those have had more than one nod. Oh, I can... I can oh, yeah. can you? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I want the ones who've only played once. The, on, the ones that have only played once are... Watkins, Bradshaw, Davies the goalie Davies, obviously, Matthews, Ledley, Richards, Freeman, Taylor, ironically, and Bowden. So almost a quarter he's only played once mm-hmm. do you want the ones where he's played they've Maybe played twi- like five yeah, five or less or something I was going to say Declan John can't have played yeah. many Ward's played a couple Lockyer's played so these are the guys that have played under five plus the ones I just read out that's here. nine Ward Lockyer Evans Woodburn interestingly Bowden he's got to be in there surely he, he was on the one list oh sorry um, George Thomas Vokes, Matondo, I mean, Dummer, <laughs> Hedges. <laughs> They've played less than five. So, in total, that is 17 players who he's used Very sparingly. sparingly. Yeah, yeah. Ramsey's only played five, interestingly. 
Oh, that's more of an injury. It is thing, an though, injury, isn't it? but it was yeah. interesting. That is interesting because he's he he and Alan are starting to feel so important, so pivotal, so important. Yeah. Um, wow. I have next written on my list positives question mark. <laughs> <laughs> Should we talk about the ladies? <laughs> um, let's talk about the ladies in a minute. This, there is one one more thing. Uh, there's, I have one more question that someone has sent in okay. that I want to ask you, and one more thing because I do want to end on a positive. Because we have absolutely torn everyone apart there. We, this is undermined by the stat you've just given, I suppose. <laughs> but we have created a lot of chances. And I think if Bale scores, we win that game 1-0. And I think that if Brooks or Volks or Wilson or uh, Bale slash James <laughs> score one of the other ones, we come away with a, with a 2-2. We're in a very different position. And I'm not suggesting that the system is working. Mm-hmm. But I would suggest there is enough there to, to think that it's not all doom and gloom. It just needs to click. And the first game's two individual errors, I, I think, that have cost us two goals. And one individual error in an attacking sense, which has cost us a goal from our perspective against Hungary, which probably... Sees, yeah. sees the game out so as a consequence and I'm not saying as a co- this is fine but I, I do feel it, it's very very harsh to solely point the finger at Giggs because however badly we think he's set up the team he's also set up a team that's made that could have scored all those goals and they're very good chances and you can't say that that's Giggs' fault as we've been talking about gigs here, uh, I just have a bit of a follow-up question for you. Uh, again, I asked people to tweet in, and mm-hmm. they did. Uh, Paul O'Brien has tweeted us. A lot of people have been calling for gigs to be sacked. Who realistically can you see people wanting him to be replaced by? Oh, God. And, and, and must he be Welsh? Now, I asked this question... Not because I uh, predictably, uh, particularly sorry, expect an answer to that, because I think we've kind of, I say on record, like we're <laughs> important, but we have notably spoken and we said we didn't want gigs in the first yeah. place, but now he's here, we're, we're in this together. Yeah. I still don't want him sacked, mm-hmm. uh, and I, you agree. Now, I, I can't see that the disruption is helpful yeah. at this point. I, I, I think we can both say he's not doing a great job, but I, I don't think we, you know, well, we don't want him sacked. The fact that people do want him sacked says a lot about the current predicament. Um, but the must-be-Welsh thing interested me because, A, even if I thought I did want him out, there is no one credible out there to replace him. Mm-hmm. Literally no one who would come and take the job on. And then as a consequence, we would go to someone who isn't Welsh, probably. And I feel like we're going down a really, really dark rabbit hole and it reminds me a little bit of when Scotland apply, appointed Bertie Vokes, mm-hmm. which was like a relative big name at the time. It amazes me that people are kind of talking like this. We've lost two games. But I think the manner in which we lost, the second game in particular. Yeah, I, but, I mean, I'm in not that case, s- we've lost one bad game. But like, do you know what I mean? We've lost the World Cup finalists. Yeah, I don't. I don't see any purpose right now of his head on a platter. It do, it doesn't achieve anything. We'd 
we'd be screwed over in terms of the money we'd have to pay him, which we've, we've got to be conscious of. Um, and ironically, I think the team that's behind him is actually really interesting and dynamic and has got a lot, a lot, to offer. A lot of potential, a lot yeah. to offer. Um, but we've got to find a way to decide what and who we are. And I'd, I'd rather go down fighting with, like, find our corner and defend it and fight than being ricocheting around the ring, which is what we're doing at the minute. Yeah. I, I, I think there's an element of, of which, to be honest, I think we're kind of flattering ourselves a bit mm-hmm. with our Wales way. Mm-hmm. We, we played that, I mean, for what, 18 months? And I've been watching Wales for a long time. You've been watching Wales for a long time. It's not just a long-term philosophy we've yeah. had. We had a good couple. Of, we had a good run, and uh, it was a pragmatic solution to who exactly, we were still at the pragmatic. time. And I don't, I don't care what the pragmatic solution is. The pragmatic solution might be paying eleven goalkeepers if that's the right thing to do. You know, <laughs> no. But do you know what I mean? If no, that's the right thing yeah, to yeah, do. Yeah. But uh, well, yeah, obviously it's not. But <laughs> you know. I think there's a lot to be said for pragmatism in these scenarios. That's how we qualify. That's how we qualify. We're kidding yeah. ourselves if we think that we went out when we were playing, you know, uh, Bosnia and whoever else that we did, that we were playing this glowing football and we got, you know, we played great in Haifa against Israel. We're going down a rabbit hole now. Right? <laughs> uh, and um, we played very, very well against the smaller nations. But we were exceptionally pragmatic. And I know in the Euros, for example, when we w- were winning games, we were still very pragmatic against Ireland, Slovakia, relatively speaking. Only in, in, in kind of stretches against Belgium were we this the Wales way. <laughs> um, so I think we're kind of kidding ourselves a little bit. And I think we need to get out of that habit. International football is about winning games. Mm-hmm. I maintain that this is not just Giggs' fault. I maintain that he may need to give them better confidence to be a better leader. I, I, I don't think that's in question. If you think it's all his fault, I, I, I think, you know, you're out of your mind a little bit, really. I, I don't disagree with that because I think, clearly, the two games we've just talked about, we could have come away with a result in both or either both, of them. Yeah. We could have. What concerns me is, I think, if you are going down his route of developing the youth, which I think fundamentally I support, but by going down that route, there's got to be structure in a way that there doesn't when you're dealing with senior players, like time-served senior players who just know what they're doing, know what each other's strengths and weaknesses are, know how to exploit each other's strengths and weaknesses. When you're dealing with all but an under-21s team to a large extent, you've got to provide a framework. I fear that what Giggs is doing is looking at what Ferguson did with Klasov and is taking the dynamic element without taking the managerial element. That team worked because Ferguson had them drilled to within an inch of their lives. They knew what they were doing when they got on the field. It was up to each of them individually to deliver, but they knew what he was asking of them. And because they knew what he was asking of them, they did not deviate 
they delivered that and it worked out for them. And my concern is that he is asking them to deliver without giving them the tram tracks that they have to follow in order to deliver it. Do you know something, ladies and gentlemen? You have just listened to about an hour and 18 minutes of podcast and Ruth has excruciatingly hit the nail on the head, like perfectly hit the nail on the head. At this point, let's talk about someone else. I've, Can we talk about the ladies? Add. I wanted to yes. talk about the ladies for the last hour and a I half. Know. That's true. <laughs> that was perfect. Um, the irony on. is you saw the game and I didn't, so I need your input. Um, I thought the women were great. It was a brilliantly fun game of football. It was very open. I, I think it had the feel of the New Zealanders trying to kind of get in the in the first team in the in the way they were quite energetic but also were quite open because they were less worried about the result they were kind of more concerned about how they did uh, individually I felt um, and we dealt with that really really well um, we kept the ball where we tried to play out with the back um, the whole game uh, Laura Sullivan was trying to play the the ball to Dykes or to Ingle or to anyone around her uh, when we had goal kicks which I thought was fantastic we didn't always do it brilliantly, um, but we were effective. And, you know, in almost perfect contrast to what you just said, we were pragmatic when we needed to be. And when the press wasn't working, it, maybe sometimes it was wasteful, but we just dealt with it and did something with it and got rid of it. I thought Kaylee Green was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Her work rate, if anyone deserved to score that first goal in how someone was, was it 12 games or whatever something, it was? Something, yeah. Seven hours it, or it something. Was, it was her. She was, I thought she was magnificent. Um, and New Zealand were with a better team first half. I'd kind of the lion's share of the ball, I'd say. But didn't really do much with it. Obviously, Laura Sullivan has made a brilliant penalty save. Um, and that's kind of kept us in the game. But as the game progressed, second half, we kept the ball well in midfield. Uh, there's something I want to mention about, about Sophie Ingle a little bit later. But we kept the ball brilliantly in midfield. We moved the ball around well. I thought Tash's energy was fantastic. Um, Charlie Escort came into the middle of the pitch, and I thought she had a great game. Tired a bit, to be fair, as the game went on, but I thought she had a great game. And then we had substitutes that came on, and their directness and their approach changed it. I thought Megan Wynn, when she came on, I thought she was great. She was fast and direct, and you could see the New Zealanders were a bit like, oh, shit, <laughs> she's got legs, and didn't really know how to deal with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought we played really well. We hung into the game well, defended well. A few wobbly moments, which, again, is something I want to talk about in a minute. Um, the goal itself <laughs> was, again, everything you would want a goal like that to be in the last minute of the game, where it was just guts and mm-hmm. like never-say-die attitude great little kind of clipped ball in I'm doing the actions again I've only had three beers um, a great little it's, it's like the in. actions with your arm is somehow going to deliver that free kick I don't know, anyway. I, don't know. <laughs> I can't deliver a free kick with my feet um, anyway the ball's kind of clipped in uh, just to the left hand side of the box Ingles come in and kind of directed a header back across goal mm-hmm. and just inch perfect yeah. header yeah. and Green nicks in front of the goalkeeper botches it in and great finish, great header, great movement, and then everyone just goes mental. Yeah. The best part is the reaction. Yeah. The one thing I have seen is um, is the goal and an, an interesting set of clips um, 
from Laura O'Sullivan's perspective, actually, of some of the sh- the saves she made. That's the one part. Oh, of that the, was really good. Video, yeah, though. yeah, the one. That's the one bit I have managed to catch up. But the reaction to that goal, it just means the world to them. And I, I love. It's one of the things I love about watching our football team is when what happens on the field has genuine meaning. Yeah. And um, that goal is is clearly such a such a monkey off their back. They must have heard about I mean we've been talking about it loads of people who, they must have been heard uh, must have heard sorry about that stat in the hours. I think it was maybe I've made it cause it was 12 hours instead. Anyway, however many hours it was um that they've heard about that and they must know about that and people are talking about that and you could see there was a brilliant moment uh right at the end of the game where even though it's only a friendly uh, someone's trying to kill the ball and keep it on the left hand side and they end up crossing the ball and it goes out to no one instead and in about a four second split of how much this game matters and the fact like we've scored we've got to mm-hmm. hang on to this Tasha is chewing out whoever it was who kind of crossed the ball and wasted the ball and she's going bonkers at them like what are you doing kill the bing blah 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 and within four seconds, the referee's blown the whistle. She sprinted over, knee slid into this person, then jumped up and hugged him and gone mental. I was just like, this is why I love you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was brilliant. I loved it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it was uh, it was enjoyable. And the fact that they care so much mm-hmm. makes me care so much. Yeah. And I, I absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you want to talk about Ingles' role a little bit more because yeah. that was really interesting. I, it, I, we were talking about Ampadu mm-hmm. kind of not doing it so well. It was not that it, it wasn't his fault, but Ingle kind of always seemed to push into the midfield, whereas Ampadu was dropping into the defence to use the ball. Ingle was pushing out into the midfield and being an extra player in the midfield. And, and as a consequence, it gave us such an extra uh, string to our bow, if mm-hmm. you like, in how we could move the ball around. And sometimes she was pinging balls and crossfield passes, and sometimes she was just kind of just playing simple little passes, and she'd drop into the defence. It must be such a tough role to read and how to play, and but she did it brilliantly. Mm-hmm. And she's just got a new contract, I think, yep. at Chelsea. Yeah, was she it has two at years? Chelsea. Yeah. Um, and you can see what, and I think her playing at the highest level, playing in Europe and stuff like that, you can really see the impact it has because she read that role so so well. She very rarely wasted a pass, and she could read. We're going to be pressed here. I might be in the wrong position. I'm just going to. I'm, I'm going to see if I can ping this, and yeah. I I know I've got to drop back and do my mm-hmm. my other job. And I think the way she kind of handled the, the the role in the game was so impressive. And if you think that New Zealand side beat England, mm-hmm. who are one of the favourites for the World Cup now, you know, a few days before one 0 for her. Uh, kind of control a game like that the way she did under the you know against who, uh, someone who's a very very good team uh, I thought was brilliant I thought she was magnificent and, and whilst I I, I I tweeted after the game I thought Kaylee Green was the player of the game because she was phenomenal um, Sophie Ingalls a very 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 close second uh, and I was so impressed with her mm-hmm. her reading of the game is just I mean to be able to switch to between those each of those roles in and of themselves is a weight, isn't it? And to be able to switch between both of those, that's so impressive. So impressive. And you yeah. think as well, against a very good team like that, we were missing Jess, mm-hmm. we were missing Harrod James, and we did make a, a kind of a raft of substitutions as well. People sort of playing out of position like Tash was 
sort of playing out of position, kind of in a in a central midfield role. Um, I just thought it was great, and we get so much pleasure, I think, out of watching the women because they're so good, mm-hmm. they're so nice. Um, and they care so much about what they do every single, every second of every game. Yeah. Um, and I love that. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think, like, involving the homelessness team with the the training session, yeah. just just the whole wider, the whole wider part of the game. It's everything we love about why we follow our national team. Yeah. Did you see the video of the little girl? beforehand holding up the little A4 pieces of paper mm-hmm. oh my god oh, I, was, I was a wash all the family there she had a little pet tortoise kicking a ball who's training to do that that was incredible you train a tortoise to kick a ball you can do, you can yeah. train Gareth Bale to score a goal get him in get him in but I uh, think it's Sophie that actually put that. out the tweet of like send us your yeah, messages yeah. And like the response they got, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. And I know um, on their podcast, um, Gabadon was talking about. I think he'd gone to the game with his dad. Yeah, he said that. Yeah. And um, and just was talking about just what a nice experience it was. Just like if you want to just go and enjoy a game of football, go and watch. Yeah. Go and watch the national women's team because the the whole environment the the emphasis the the priorities are just so healthy yeah then go and enjoy so it positive yeah um it's funny to say that a friend of mine who has recently started listening to our podcasts has said that he really wants to he listened to our in- interviews with tash and with mm-hmm. jess and he said he like really wants to go and like that's like after hearing all the positive mm-hmm. stuff so he said that he's going to go to his first game, first women's game, uh, in the qualifiers. I think the first one's against Northern Ireland at home. It's in August, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, no, the first one, sorry, the first one's away is in August. Then a couple of days later is, is in September. And he said he's going to go because when, cause he's got a little girl. Mm-hmm. And he says he wants that to be his thing with her. Yeah. Is that he takes his little girl and she's, she's really young. Uh, she, that, that's going to be their thing. That's going to be her route, if you like, into into sports and everything else. I think that's so great. That's lovely. That what's the best way I can get my my my, my kid into football? And it's like such a positive atmosphere. I want them to be a part of this. I want them to recognise mm-hmm. support in their country. Um, I think that's so nice. That's great. Um, and so I hope that you and Erin uh, enjoy <laughs> if you're listening, mate. Um, but the fact that him and like his wife is going to go with him sorry uh, girlfriend sorry <laughs> sorry sorry Rhea uh, uh, one day it'll happen no way, don't worry. I'll have a oh word with dear, him oh dear I think we need some editing I, uh, I've had three beers um, anyway the fact that they're going to go as a family and everything I think is really really lovely and it just shows a positive atmosphere and mm-hmm. again we've talked about this all the time but I really feel like they are all the players are aware that they are on the top of a crest of a wave and they yeah. know that this is building they know this is happening and they're being so proactive mm-hmm. you know we watch on Twitter all the players are tweeting come and get us a ticket yeah. come and watch send us a message we'll do, I'll, I'll, I'll retweet all your mm-hmm. pictures I'll give you a signed shirt um, and I love it mm-hmm. absolutely love it now I think I mean I was very fortunate as a 
as a girl of 12, 13, 14 that my family were prepared to allow me in the early 1980s to go to football games. I mean, it's part of me is still, no, more than part of me is still astounded that that, was, that happened. Um, and there is a tipping point when you watch games live as opposed to watching them on the telly. And I think it's really important if we can get girls feeling that it's a norm and it's not to go and watch football is a norm and they don't have to somehow justify it or explain it or it's it's just nothing other than something they love yeah and it's no different their love is no different than their brother's love and that's that's what i hope we can achieve and it in some respects the qualifying is i'd love to see it happen it's almost immaterial it's the for me, the fundamental part is that we make a statement about how we value it. We make a statement about who's involved, and we make a we make a statement about what we value. I agree. I, I think the fact that young girls have like important women role models to look up to in the football world is so vital. And you look at what's happening on the TV at the minute. I saw the other day that the England Scotland game um, at the peak, six point one million people yeah. watched that. I think that's massive. It's great. Women have got, like, a girl, sorry, have got these women to kind of look up to. And from a Welsh perspective, I mean, I, I'm sure I, I, I'm sure the England and Scotland and players are lovely. I, I, I don't know. But from our perspective, I think our team are just, as much as anything else, great humans. Mm-hmm. And, and I love that they interact with people on Twitter. They interact with us on Twitter. Mm-hmm. They... Um, they recognise the role that they are playing in developing the future of, of, of women's football in Wales. And that is so powerful to me. And the fact that they not only know it, but also are kind of enhancing it themselves is, is massive. And I'm, we've massively gone, on to, gone off topic here, <laughs> but um, I'm so proud of those girls. And I think they, their role in, in, in 20 years' time or whatever, whether, like you say, whether we qualify or whatever... It's not irrelevant because it's, it's very important. But in 20 years' time, I think people will look back at this group of players mm-hmm. and say these were not even trailblazers, but like these were. this was the most important group of women that we have had as a, for a football team probably yeah. ever in for Wales. For a statement. In the same way that the men were the most important men because of what they've done to attendances and everything else. It, uh, when we qualified, this was is, is the most important group. And... I think we're going to qualify, which jinx in it means I've just ruined it. <laughs> Sorry, Tash. Um, but uh, I think it's so important that we do qualify and kind of build on this. But either way, they're a great group. We're massively off topic. No, um, we're not off topic. We're actually on the important topics. Yes, I suppose that is true. <laughs> I was going to talk about something that I generally that I saw about the Women's World Cup, but I feel that is really do off you topic. Wanna, do you want to touch on what Fox were doing? Oh, oh, I will! I, I will smash the laptop up. I will have a, <laughs> such a big time. I was so angry with that. How ignorant! Sorry, context. Yes, give some, give give the listeners some context. Fox, uh, 
TV, what are they, Fox News, Fox Sports? Fox Sports, probably. Fox Dickheads, let's go with that. <laughs> um, they basically said they don't know why Ada Hegerberg isn't playing for Norway in the World Cup. And if she should come out and make a statement to explain why she's not doing it, it makes her come across as being selfish and detracting away from the importance of the team. Uh, and every single member of the panel, I think there were four or five mm-hmm. of them on there, everyone had a go at her. And I was so angry. <laughs> I know because we've obviously, in the build-up to when we got Norway in the group, when we talked to Jess and, and, and everything else, and I just have an interest in women's football. I'm aware of what's mm-hmm. going on. That's not my job. That's like, we do this for fun. <laughs> we are now. You know, we're talking. It's an hour and 35 minutes. Christ knows why anyone's still listening. But we do this for fun. We know why. And we knew ages ago. Yeah. Alexi Lalas, you're being paid for this, mate. She should come out and make a statement. Google it. Do your job. You're a, apparently a journalist. Oh, I was so angry. And I tell you what, and he said, oh, if this was Messi or Ronaldo, you know, everyone would know about it. It's just like, everyone does know about it. You just don't. You're the problem. Don't try and make out this is about men's football and women's football. This is, you're ignorant. You haven't been asked to do your homework properly. Christ, even we do homework. (laughs) You haven't been asked to do your homework properly. And you sat there. Well, I I think she'd come out and make a statement. She did, mate. Two years ago, she came out and said, why? She talked about disparity in pay. She talked about disparity in facilities, in investment in grassroots football in Norway for girls. There's a huge article. There was New York Times, I think, Mm -hmm. ran something on it two years ago, which was a brilliant summary. And there's a selection of other articles that have been out in the build-up to the World Cup um, by different news organisations from uh, from the UK and the US that I've seen. But even if you read her own piece in Players Tribune, yeah, yeah, that's a perfect example of why she wants to make a statement, almost at a personal level. She's not looking to make a political statement. It's not about her. It's is not. It? It's uh, the, I as someone who has a voice, I as someone who has a status have a voice, so I'm going to do what I can to leverage that. It's not, she's not trying to make, um, she's not turning it into a, a light that's shining on her. She's trying to make a point about the overall, the, the overall landscape. And I find it incredible that we shouldn't be celebrating the fact that here's someone Absolutely. who is at the absolute peak of her game, who probably, inter- I've got no doubt that she would love to represent her country and stand behind her country. And she is foregoing that to make a statement about the landscape in which she has to operate. And for people to not take that statement seriously and to not understand what she's trying to say and to put themselves forward as a spokesman. As a critic. As a critic, of, yeah. I just find astounding. I couldn't believe it. Do you know what? The thing that, I, that made me think about this most was, what was I doing at 23? It's unrepeatable. <laughs> uh, we try not to swear on here. But, I mean, if someone said to you, what kind of, what change did you have on the world at 23? I would say I was a, probably a, a scourge on the world at 23. <laughs> I was trying to be a teacher and doing an awful job at it. 
She's 23 years old. She's been voted the Ballon d'Or, one of the best, the, the best women's footballer the in the world. The first ever. The first ever Ballon d'Or winner for a female. She's making a political stance against women's football in Norway. She gives up her own time and money to bring young, because she doesn't think it's been done properly, to bring Norwegian girls across to Lyon mm-hmm. and watch her play. And she does training and meetings and stuff for them. She gets other players to come and talk to these groups of girls from Norway. Like, I'm sure other people are kind of supplementing, but that's her own money that mm-hmm. she's doing that. She's 23 doing that. And for you then to have the ignorance to sit there and go, she needs to, you know, it's not all about her. You dick. <laughs> I was so angry. I am already. I'm all <laughs> over. Ah. We've, we've got visuals at this end, by the way, folks. Yeah, I'm having, <laughs> I'm having a tantrum again. I can't punch anything. But, uh, oh, unbelievable. And I think... I was going to say, if she's listening, she's definitely not. If she, if she did start listening, she probably stopped about <laughs> an hour and a half ago. Um, but I think she's amazing. Mm-hmm. We need more people like that. We need more people to celebrate what she's doing, not belittle and question her and humiliate her by saying she's being selfish about it. No. And I, I was so angry when I saw that. Uh, Gabrielle Marcotti tweeted... Uh, tweeted this is grotesque, and I think the use of the word grotesque mm-hmm. is perfect in this situation. It was grotesque. Mm-hmm. I would actually say shameful. No, I agree. I agree. I think it reflects a complete disregard of where for women's football is and where it needs to be, and the fact that there are people that have got to pave that road. And when you're trying to cut the legs out from people that are busy paving that road, that's just a ludicrous state of affairs. I, and there were other people, I've now been lazy and I can't remember who they are, but there were, there were three other women on that panel, along with a presenter, who were ex-players. And even they were chiming in. Mm. And I would have thought they more than anyone would have supported what she's mm. trying to do. I want that part of it. I wonder if it's a disparity between the situation this side of the Atlantic and the other side of the Atlantic. But again, you'd like to think that they would be aware of that situation. I don't. I don't disagree with that. But I think if I wonder if there's a naivety about that. I think. Perhaps. I think you're right. But to shoot her down is something. No, I think you're right. There's the, if you are sitting on a panel journalistically, you should be informed and you should be able to. Should be aware of your the purpose being there is to be an informant to the audience. And none of those people on the panel behaved in that way. No. But I, I wonder whether the situation here in the US where, where the football, uh, women's football does have a different... Standing. A standing, a different backdrop... Whether yeah. whether they were naive to what the situation is in in Europe, and all the more reason why they should have been careful about what they were saying. Don't get me wrong, but I think that might be a little bit of blinkering um, between the scenarios and a bit a little bit of un, unrealistic parameters about the two, the the difference. I mean, it's like what we were talking about yeah, with I, the, I see what you're saying. when we were talking about the ticket prices. Last podcast, the ticket prices yeah. in for the, um, the Euro finals, the, the championship finals for the men versus the women, it was absolutely ludicrous. Yeah, um, 
you wouldn't you would never see that level of disparity over here. In fact, the women uh, the equivalent women's game might be demanding better prices than the men over here yeah. if there was an equivalent. Yeah. Um, so I think I think there's also not just a a gap in their research, but a naivety in their yeah. research as journalism as well. A journalists as well. Uh, again, I couldn't agree more. And I think what's frustrated me again is. There was a great piece. I don't know if anyone follows someone called Swiss Ramble on Twitter who talks about the finances of football. Um, kind of broke down uh, FIFA's statement that they're giving more money to women's football than ever. He kind of broke it down in regard to percentages in terms of the percentage increase. Yes, numbers of uh, uh, in terms of financial sense have gone up in women's football for the World Cup prizes and everything else. But comparatively to the men, it's still absolutely nowhere near. So there's a ve- you know you should be able to recognise that she's doing that, not just Hegerberg. Sorry, is doing that in a sense, not just for Norwegian football, but also for women's football. Full stop. There is still a fight to be fought there. Whilst the numbers have gone up in terms of prize money for the women and, and how much they get for preparation for the uh, for the countries etc. who've gone to the World Cup there's still a huge disparity in terms of how much more the men are getting and how much more it's gone up but again I know that because I follow a bloke on Twitter and I like Ada Hegerberg someone who's been paid should be bloody finding that stuff out I'm going I'm going again now I, I, was, <laughs> I was so mad um, and like I say we know this because we follow someone on Twitter and we are interested in women's football. We're not getting paid for it. Why the hell don't they know that? I was, I was embarrassed. Um, I think we should probably stop talking now because this has gone on <laughs> way too long. I'm going to be late for me tea. Uh, I think we might have a couple of podcasts here somewhere. I think we got about 12. <laughs> um, to re- briefly go back to Wales and specifics, there are two, two very quick things I want to say. One is well done for the rising numbers. Again, we're talking about prices and ticket costs and everything. It was £5 for adults and £2 for kids to go and see the women. Brilliant. No wonder they there's only one stand there, and I think they sold that stand out. Just over 2,000 people went, which is fantastic. The first game is the 29th of August of the, of the qualifiers against the Faroe Islands, and the first home game is the 3rd of September against Northern Ireland. We're going to do a preview pod in the summer talking about the, the World Cup campaign. Uh, the Euros campaign, sorry, um, and the opponents, and you know what we think, and best teams and lineups, etc., etc., etc. So keep an eye out for that. Well, I do want to make m- mention of Laura Sullivan, who was made a great penalty save, but seemed to be kind of like targeted a little bit. We spoke about this about by the by the New Zealanders from corners to try and she seemed to kind of flap a few, at a few corners, but I thought she handled everything so well, and while she can be, you know hit and miss sometimes with a few kind of cross balls the way she handles herself and, and the, the defence around her I thought was brilliant and again I thought she's someone who should get recognition great penalty save her distribution I thought was very good as well so uh, yeah she was someone I thought was yeah I like, the, I like the way she's bossing that defence even with actually what's a very experienced senior D at times yeah. isn't it um, I think that's what you, that's what you want from your goalkeeper so yeah, all in all, just very impressed with them and everything. We've gone fully on topic. We will make this two podcasts because <laughs> no one wants to do this, do an hour and forty five minutes in one hit today. Um, 
so yeah thank you for listening yeah probably not still listening <laughs> um, thank you for everyone who've sent in questions for us we very much appreciate it we will be doing a summer series this is our last kind of end of season podcast I guess we'll be doing a summer series on as I say the, the women's Euro qualifiers a few other things looking forward to the next season as well and hopefully uh, an interview or two for you as well so uh, oh and also we're going to talk about the Welsh teams in Europe which is why we've not mentioned that today so thank you very much for listening good night very much good night we've probably bored you to tears thank you <laughs> good night <laughs>